Welcome to Calgary Culture, the Perspectives YYC podcast, a series of conversations with a series of local creators as we try to get serious about culture here in Calgary. In this episode, I sit down with Taylor Odishaw Dyke, aka T.O., aka Fake James, aka I'm sure a hundred other names, <laughs> and now the creator of Fly Productions. We met initially through Austin Kamens, co-conspirator and street artist, and together with Ty Javis, we built Wake Motif, a private invite-only art, music, performance, house party event that occurred in March of this year. What an incredible event. And now from Wake, we move to the zoo. Tio came over to my dining room and we spoke about energy exchange, the necessity of an environment of collaboration, humility, ego death, the future of Calgary culture, yet another example of why I'm convinced that Calgary is about to explode with genuine creative energy. If you're out there doing some chores, driving alone on an Albertan highway, zoning out on a couch or on your bed, thank you for connecting with us. And I hope you'll hear this message. The next step for Calgary is collaboration and interaction. Send us your thoughts on our conversation and our vision. Share, like, comment, and subscribe, follow, DM me for a coffee, input your own creativity, whatever you do, don't just let it pass you by. If you're interested in attending the zoo, hashtag zoo motif, keep your eyes out on affiliated artists. Exclusive invites are coming. The event occurs August 17th and will be headlined by this episode's special musical voice, Vanilla Sun, at Vanilla Sun on IG, who's hosting and headlining the event itself. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Tio. first guerrilla style recording interview taylor it's exciting stuff right tis the season welcome how's it going this is uh this is very exciting we're going live with the uh guerrilla mode yeah i've got uh, a cheap lavalier with uh, 20 feet of cable wrapped around itself uh, recording into my iphone uh, and in my kitchen <laughs> <laughs> 
but I got you out here. So um, let's let's get going. Uh, Taylor, maybe you can introduce yourself uh, so that people know who I'm speaking with today. Okay, okay. Well, um, over the past few years, I feel like more people would know me as Fake James, but I'm taking a step back from that project and putting a lot more time into Fly Productions, which is something that we've been developing and rebranding over the years, just trying to get into the right format so that we can host the craziest house concerts um, and kind of push the boundaries of what people have come to expect in uh, the performance arts world. Moving forward, I'd like to be more and more involved in that industry. And how do we meet? Like, how, how do I know fake James? Well, um, I've been playing around Calgary, played 33 shows in 2017. 2018, I kind of put more work into fewer shows, put on some fun events. But I guess um, what I'm really trying to focus on right now is you may have caught us at, in March at Wake Motif. We put on uh, the first installment of the Motif events. And we co-presented with Perspectives YYC. And we uh, had a lot of involvement from a lot of different people. And we basically, we brought together a really cool group. And everyone had uh, made some extremely momentous memories there. So it was, it was nuts. I mean, I'm old and I haven't been to a house party in a super long time. Yeah. Um, we met through our European PIC, who unfortunately couldn't be here with us today, Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Austin is a key, key figure in this whole operation. He kind of has the, the ambition that I, you know, that I feel like I used to have. He has the optimism that we, you know, we could all have a little bit more of. And so uh, working with Austin is, is great because he'll never really shut down an idea. He'll never be the guy who says that's not possible. But the thing is, I don't really mind moving forward hearing that phrase more often because I want people to question whether or not it's possible. And that way, when we make it happen, everyone who's there is going to be just more even more blown away by the fact that we pulled it off that creates more hype and uh the third installment you know we'll have to take it up another level and that's when people will be looking at it and just going if anyone can do it it's these guys well that's the that's the thing that to the to the point so getting back to your point you know it's interesting bringing that up Um, when you and austin contacted me to build or to like uh, collaborate on a wake motif. Mm-hmm. I remember we set up that meeting at your place, at the secret location. Yeah. And you started going into your vision about what you believed would be a cool, dope intro show. And I sat there thinking, you know, what the fuck's this guy thinking? Like two mm-hmm. floors, how many acts, VIP? And, the, and then we had that conversation. We're all throwing ideas at each other. Yeah. And like you were mentioning, uh, I walked away from that thinking, I mean, it was obvious that you had done this sort of thing before, at least in some scope, because you had, um, you know, some structure that you were approaching it with. Right. But at the same time, I actually questioned myself, like we had, you didn't give us, less, you know, we, we had like a month to put it together. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was just thinking, is this something that can actually happen? Can we make VIP stations where you can have private uh, performances? Can we, can you, can, can you? bring how many acts together to play on two different levels in a way that people could actually move around the house and still all enjoy, you know, the experience of being there. And then I remember showing up that night because, you know, my health has become an issue this year. So 
I didn't. I don't think I actually physically saw. I mean, we texted and emailed in between, but I don't think I physically saw you until the show. Mm-hmm. Walking around the back of the house, getting carted by your bud at the door, and thinking, <laughs> you know, holy shit, like this is a real thing. Uh, and I gotta say, man, like you know, I did take some pictures there, but it was nuts. I was. I've come across some folks in coffee shops and meeting artists that uh, casually mention it. Once mm-hmm. I bring up that you know we were doing it together, they're like, oh, I heard about that, or they were there, or whatever it yeah. was. But it was, it, was, it was killer. Yeah, that was the funniest part. It was uh, at the back door entrance. We had the ping pong table um, split in half and turned up on its side to create a boundary. So kind of like a, a lobby. And then at the end of the hall, we kind of had the uh, we had a, uh, an office chair with a bungee strap across to keep people from walking in. And then we had the bouncers there accepting tickets. And, and they were hollering at all the artists because the artists would have to come down and and let the person in and it was very and then uh the flow of the night was was pretty amazing we had um a secret opener no one knew it was going to be and it turned out it was Wyatt Wyatt C. Lewis who is a blues singer in town incredible and um then he brought out his band and so they were the secret headliners so his him and his band were headlining and um we had a the secret room in the back where we did the spoken word and that was kind of the one, the one concept that we wanted to uh, kind of surprise people with was the the spoken word element, and um, you know it's just something everyone these days, especially in our city, they think that if something is cool, it's got to be loud, and uh, we kind of wanted to change that uh, trend a little bit and show um, how many people there are that would rather attend something that is more enlightening and uh, relaxed. Um, you know, so when you have that type of uh, community together, um, you feel a lot safer. You feel very appreciated. And that kind of reminds me of, uh, at one point during the night, there were, uh, there were a few, few girls who I had never met before, but they were obviously good friends with somebody um, because that's the, the way that we promote it was through word of mouth and every artist really only brought their closest friends one of these girls who had never met most of the people there was worried that one of them maybe got had something slipped into their drink. She wasn't feeling well. And the f- situation was diffused really easily because I just reassured them that the only people here are the tightest group within each artist's friend group. And they're all here for the same reason. And that is to appreciate the art, appreciate each other. And when you make that your mo ahead of time and that's your energy then that's the type of people you bring out and that's where you get the trust and you feel like everyone can enjoy themselves and be entirely safe the whole time you know so that was the thing too that struck me when we were conceptualizing it i mean you were pretty strong on that point at the beginning i mean we can maybe go into that the idea of how you want to structure the tickets as being so personal uh, dedicating a certain number to each artist mm-hmm. so that it became a peer group. Um, I mean, maybe there's a term, uh, maybe the term motif has some unique meaning for you. I think that one of the fears I had when first conceptually thinking about a house party, even if it's supposed to be a dope art event, is the, you know, um, stereotype of like a house party yeah. of things just going uh, apeshit and exactly, people yeah. not being... Uh, pleasant and not there to collaborate 
but uh, you know, just to uh, just to be dicks, frankly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but that's not my experience. I mean, I had to leave as usual early because I'm old. But uh, I think by the time I left at twelve, I mean, people, the vibe in that place uh, between moving upstairs, downstairs. Uh, the dancing, the rock music, like everything, people were paying attention, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I thought there was a, an amazing aura, if you will. Mm. Um, but tell me, like, I mean, there's some intent and some planning around that. But um, you know, what gave you maybe the inspiration of even doing something like this? You know, having the idea of yeah, tickets, of motif, of having a small personal collective of artists that you know and trust, of having the confidence of telling a woman at a party that she could feel safe mm -hmm. because this is the whole point. It wasn't mm -hmm. there for people to get their drink on, mm -hmm. you know, I, it was there for people to experience art. Absolutely. I think to answer your question, the best way would be to kind of get to the roots of uh, where it began. And that would be, uh, it started with artists. And as an artist, you try and put on events that are going to be positive for you and positive for the other bands on the bill. Basically, your portfolio of performances, if you will, something that you can look back on that you know felt right, that can be a building block for your career. And there's also events that you put on where you were just involved, you were invited to play, you know, you need to make the, the 200 bucks to play a set so you, you get involved, but you felt out of place. It was not the right type of event for you. Over time, you evolve and you start to get a better idea of what you want, the type of audience you want, type of venue you want. Everything becomes clearer the more you do it. Eventually, uh, we decided that um, there, were, you know, there were a couple key elements of these types of shows that we're throwing on. One of them would be rooted within the ticket sales for each artist. Now, the, the basis of this is business, you know, being in the entertainment industry, the business behind moving tickets is offering the maximum amount of value to the people who are buying the tickets. Um, Pre-sale tickets is never easy, no matter who you are. And what we wanted to do was challenge the artists that we're involving to value their art form enough to basically demand a price for experiencing it. To value the time that you put into creating it rehearsing it and performing it, you want people to appreciate that. You desperately want people to say, absolutely, I'll pay for this. And it's tough. There are a lot of situations. Like I said, we go back to the roots is as an artist, what you, you're trying to set yourself up in the right situation. There are times when you're, you don't even know the other bands on the bill. You don't really, you're not familiar with the venue and you're not comfortable with asking your friends to spend money on it. And that's a sad truth to be able to, to want to put so much time into your art form and not have the confidence to expect your friends to pay for it. And so when we get ourselves into a perfect, just the right scenario, that's when you start to challenge yourself as a business person. You know, you cannot expect to be an independent musician where there's so much competition and so much oversaturation without learning the business behind it. And now here we are and it was amazing to see the artists rally at Wake Motif. Um, Hayden Goosen, who is uh, now goes by Modern Patio, I'm really excited about his project. The push that he had, um, the kid's not even 18, but he, he's been uh, just 
hustling in every 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 single way you can imagine he has been creating his own vintage clothing line doing pop-up shows and creating music i think within the last three days leading up to the event even the day of the event he had anywhere from one to two dozen people that committed to coming and paying to be there and you know what those people they didn't regret it they had one of its kind experience now they trust that next time modern patio is playing a set that it's worth it you know, and that's how we want all of our artists to feel. So if they have the value to offer, that's how they make money. In the, staying on this, you know, as an artist myself and uh, as you speak about it, I obviously have a lot of self-reflection about this. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what were those conversations like? Uh, what is your, let's say, yeah, experience uh, in hindsight? Of maybe I don't know if we need to go artist by artist, depending mm-hmm. if they're all positive or negative. Mm-hmm. Did that factor into curatorial process? Did you pick artists that you knew that were sort of ready to push that way? Mm-hmm. And what is that like to talk to artists about respecting themselves as a business and adding, whether it's money or, or this you know, transfer of you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? But this, this concept of self-worth, mm-hmm. uh, their art means something uh, mm-hmm. to their close friends and to the other population. Yeah, what was that experience like with your, with your crew? When you look at it... Uh... As an artist, you have to um, take a step back and, uh, and try to make a list of the people that, uh, that really value your art in the first place. Turn that into your group A. Continue to reach out and push the boundaries and, and expand your, your list. But it takes so much time for every artist to, to develop a relationship with these people and show that you value them and what their interests are hope to get that same interest in return in what you have been caring about so much. And I mean, uh, just to sort of get back to your question, I think to be talking to these artists and pushing them and, uh, you know, you see the, you see the wheels turning and uh, you see the barricades coming up. And that's mostly because of bad experiences trying to move tickets. You know, I bet you in 80% of the bands out there who've been in a situation where, or even hip hop artists, you know, they, have a big opportunity to open for a big name at a club and the more tickets they move the better set time they get or the more tickets you know the more likelihood that they'll have another gig in the future there's a lot of pressure and it comes down to trusting the process if you have years i'd say it takes to plant the seed in a friend where they can start to see that you're not just about receiving you know you're about giving it takes a lot of time to, to water that seed. And that means, you know, going out and supporting them when they need it. That's just one example, but it's an, it's an everyday thing, you know, talking to them about things other than your event. You know, it's about, um, it's about your energy. It's not necessarily about what you need from them um, because they're going to sense what you need if you just are on their level. I've been trying to, uh, to help as many artists, you know, not make the same mistakes that I did, which was you can ruin, you can absolutely ruin the soil that the seed you planted in by overwatering, you know, you'll ruin your kill your plant by watering too much because you're trying too hard. But there's a perfect, there's a f- perfect balance there for these artists to find. And I think the bottom line is you have to know that what you're offering is cool. The experience you're offering is cool and that they're gonna walk away from it being, I'm so glad I came. 
And that was what we had at Wake Motif in March. We had so many people um, walking up to, to me, to the other artists and saying, this was exactly what I needed. Or, you know, I haven't seen anything like this in so long. And just comments like that. And it gets you, it gets you really excited. And I mean, off the record, I was, uh, was pretty, pretty uh, high on psychedelics towards the end of the night. And all I could think about was how grateful I was for everyone who was there. Every time someone would say something like that, like, oh man, like, I can't believe you guys pulled this off, blah, blah, blah. All I could say to myself was, don't allow this to fill up your ego. Don't allow this to pump your tires. This isn't about you. But at the same time, it, it's very inspiring to hear people say that it was a one of a kind experience. And it makes you say to yourself, you know, like, we're so proud that we were able to turn an idea in six weeks into something that was unforgettable for the artists and for the patrons. The question in your head starts to run, you know, I mean, maybe it's just, just me because I was high, but it just kept going through my head. Like, why? Why did you? How did you? Why did you do this? How did you pull it off? And it was just the only answer I had as I was just smiling at myself in the mirror was no one else was doing it. You know, no one else was creating that community, blending and merging these different groups of amazing people. And so we're going to take that to the next level in August and we're going to bring together the skateboard community because we know that they love music and a lot of musicians love skateboarding. And it's kind of just this simple, easy merger that I think is going to take place. And this is just the first step. First of all, nothing's off the record because we're recording all of it. So you know, <laughs> that's your error. Uh, secondly, I'm excited. You know, we, we talked a little bit briefly about what you're planning to do in August. Uh, it is, of course, insane. Uh, and I hope that as we try to put the pieces together, that like Wake Motif, that it will naturally evolve, whether it's exactly as you, likely not how you're envisioning it, but mm -hmm. um, the intent yeah become something that's uh, that's amazing but what's fascinating about you talking about your self-reflection is i mean you're a pretty young guy this self-awareness to try to not let it be about you mm -hmm. and actually using the word ego and essentially coming from a space of trying to be humble that's something that i think every artist has a lot of trouble with mm -hmm. maybe having a upper meta view as a, as a plan or an event coordinator might have changed how you're perceiving wake motif but i don't know is there something you think specifically that's happened to you in your past that you reflect on it in that way and this didn't become like yo like this is because i killed it mm -hmm. this is because this is at my house because mm -hmm. this is something that i knew was going to hit and these mm. are the people that i selected you know, and this is because this sequence happened because of my thoughts and, you know, yeah. uh, to separate yourself at least at a, at a certain level uh, away from that, I think yeah. is really important. But why do you think, I mean, is there, is there something you think that's happened to you or a part of your, the way you're raised or the way that you are as an artist that, that that's occurred to you? Um, mm -hmm. I think it's fascinating. I mean, it's the only reason I think, you know, a second motif event can actually occur. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, yeah, I mean, the humbling experiences are, are numerous, I think, for everybody. It doesn't take long for life to throw you another curveball. Obviously, since I, like I say, I, I had a bunch of momentum in 2017 and 
felt like I was moving quicker than, than I was expected to be moving as an artist. And um, it feels amazing, you know, and, uh, you know, for people to give, to give you the, the energy that you get when you're performing live and, it's, and it feels amazing or when, you know, there's so many different memories that I can think of that, you know, were such pinnacles of my young career as a musician. Like you say, there, there were obviously some humbling experiences along the way, you know, realizing that uh, you do have to take care of yourself. Uh, one specific example would be when I, when I started to realize that I had pretty bad tinnitus in my ears from all the performing and from the work with the power tools that I do. It seems like a small thing, but it really brought me down. And, it, you know, that wasn't the only thing in my life at the time that was taking me down, but that seemed to be like the nail in the coffin, like the newest level of hell for me was to have the only thing that I live for be limited by me not taking care of myself and just regretting that so dreadfully and just being taken down that uh, I remember I wrote a song and, and this was only you know six months ago so this is still you know some fresh fresh pain some fresh cuts um, writing a song and just loving it and blasting it and uh, trying to, it's the only way that you can escape the ring is by listening to things to music to white noise and so silence is your worst enemy and I would always play this song because I you know I was I made the most of the pain of discovering my tinnitus by channeling it into this song and just loving you know those moments of reflecting other artists can relate when you create something that you just feel like is otherworldly and can't believe it came from your mind in listening back to it. It's one of the greatest feelings. Um, Zoo, the uh, dance producer from California at ZHU Zoo, he said that exact thing. He said, my favorite feeling is to listen to music that I've created. And so that was the only escape for me uh, for a little while. And then magically one day that, that song, that recording session disappeared off my hard drive. And just, you know, when I th thought I couldn't be taken any lower, it was like, yeah, my only escape is gone. Deal with it. I had a conversation with a friend at a, at a show, a handmade show at King Eddie. And I basically said, you know, what's made me the person I am in the past year has been taught this level of humility. Just having my ego destroyed. You know, people have heard of ego death. You know, that's exactly what I went through. And uh, it helped me ultimately to know that I'm unworthy of most of the love that I get. And yet people just keep giving it, you know, and this feeling of grace, you know, that's an amazing trait for someone to display. And I'm blessed to have a number of people in my life that would give regardless of whether I'm worthy of it. You know, they just give because they know my intent is, is positive. There's been many reminders to keep the ego out of it, definitely. And, and that's what I have to do. And it's just like, life will give you lessons over and over until you learn them. And so choosing to, to be humble is, you know, a very proactive thing for me these days. It's like at the top of my head, along there with having no self-pity for when shit's fucked. Having no greed when you feel like you aren't receiving enough. Ego death is, is a top priority for me as uh, not just as an artist or a, a facilitator, but as a person, I just, you know, it doesn't help anything. It's, it's ugly, you know, 
So I believe that. And I, I don't know, there's a lot of people that probably have gained a lot of success and would say that their ego is, you know, just part of their persona. And I'm, I'm jealous that people can flex that. I wish that I was the one who reached that pinnacle at this point in my life. But to quote a, uh, a song by Benjamin Clementine that I recently learned on piano, it's, though my good days are far gone, though they will surely come back one morn, so I won't complain. And that's kind of how, how I feel and how I'm challenging myself to, to build something even cooler and even more prosperous with Fly Productions is to bring the good days back to reach another pinnacle in my life and create a lot of outstanding memories for my peers as well. That's great. I mean, I, I can't help as a parent to think about, I mean, I don't know what your relationship with your family is, but I remember walking into your house and you just kind of like roaming for every room and we're like, we're going to be here and here and your dad's sitting there and your brothers and, and you have a fairly large family. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, they, they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I asked one of your brothers and like, ah, oh, Taylor's just, this is just how he's always been. Mm-hmm. But that acceptance and that, I mean, to be able to use your house in that way is fascinating. I, I think that uh, the environment in which either you were raised or there you find yourself now, the company that you keep, I mean, knowing Austin too, Austin's, just a chill, positive oh, yeah. cat. <laughs> totally, man. That's a great way to put it, yeah. Man, it's fascinating to think about that. I mean, I, I don't know. How, how old are you, Taylor, now? 26. So I got 26. I mean, I, I'm uh, 41 now. My, my life broke at 38, and I still don't know how to be humble. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's fascinating to hear from you that reflection, that pursuit into finding maybe what I'm terming uh, that sense of peace instead of mm. a sense of success. Mm. Uh, even listening to your story, I, I was about to challenge you midway that uh, the so-called artists that project that ego is why they got that. Whenever I see those people in candid interviews, mm-hmm. I don't see peace. Mm-hmm. I see the concept of success and, you know, whether the fur coat lying and their bling and, and whatever mm. mansion they're living in. Um, but for the most part, when I meet people of that nature, particularly an artist, um, I mean, you'll know that too. Uh, there's so much role, that tortured soul. You know? Yeah, it's funny you should say that because um, Chet Faker or his new alias Nick Murphy, which is his real name that he reverted to, uh, he just came through town, played Palace Theater about a month ago. And you saw that tortured soul coming out. It was like the, you know, it was like Johnny Cash revisited because I was a huge fan of Chet Faker um, and his album Built on Glass from 2014. He's, you know, top three favorite artists for so many years. And um, as he kind of went through his evolution as an artist and went back to his old name, started composing music that was more like pop. Well, he went through a funk phase and now he's into more of like a pop soul blend. I don't know what to call it. It's tough for me to define it because I don't enjoy it. (laughs) Um, I actually, the funny thing is, I think a lot of people would agree with me. Um, His performance at Palace was kind of ridiculous. It was kind of like a falling star. There's no peace, absolutely no peace. The most entertaining part was him kicking over his keyboard stand, just kicking all his gear over, clearly wasted. His most famous song, Talk is Cheap, is what everyone was waiting for. And uh, when he sat down to play it, he was just like, fiddling and fumbling around on his piano and it just didn't sound right i don't know i think you were right as far as tortured soul there was just something going on there where 
he hasn't found the peace. I mean, and maybe he's learning the whole ego death thing as we speak because, you know, clearly his journey isn't over yet. Through all of the, I mean, I suppose spiritual readings and stuff that I've been going through to try to, you know, find myself. <laughs> um, one of the concepts that I've been maybe obsessing a little bit over recently is this idea of roles and how we create stress for ourselves. So for example, you know, in your case, there's you as the role that you think you have to be for your parents, you as the role that you think you have to be as a performer that's known as fake James, you as the role as the person that's coordinating, curating fly productions, mm. and whether they're actually in tune with whatever your spiritual sense is. And that's really, that's a really fucking crazy question because, mm. you know, not to get too much into these pseudo-scientific, pseudo-psychological, because I am not trained and I am not smart enough to talk about that at that <laughs> level, but... When I reflect on myself, you know, when I'm sitting in front of a computer or when, maybe before that, I go out and I street shoot or I take pictures and I get home. And then if I'm in front of the computer and I'm mashing them together, mm -hmm. um, there's one feeling like you were describing earlier about mm -hmm. uh, listening to the music after. Mm -hmm. But then that's not the same person that has this fear of printing it and then the person that has a fear of displaying it mm. which is a different person than the person that started perspectives and the yeah. person that you know or even my role as a husband or my role as a father yeah and those change not just day to day but i'm finding like i'm unstable as fuck like mm. it could be hour to hour minute to minute you know i could wake up in the morning and be at peace and run around a jungle gym with my kid and then mm -hmm. you know three hours later i could become this militant uh, selfish, angry person. But with the artist, it's a fascinating one because there are so many interactive pieces, you know, art for itself, art for other people. You're talking too about um, encouraging maybe your friends and your fellow collaborators to reach out to their friends and say, this has value. Mm -hmm. But that's a, that's a frightening question too. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, maybe that's just life, like finding how to balance those things as much as possible. Mm. Yeah, trying to find the contentment. It's always a, it's an ongoing battle. Uh, for most people, I bet, let's say you go on a, on a date and everything was perfectly and have an amazing night. You're the next morning, you're driving around after breakfast, feeling great. And it doesn't even take two hours and you're just into a negative rut and losing your momentum. And I think, uh, you know, everyone has their own tactics with dealing with, with that. But I um, adopted some mentalities lately that have been helping and that's letting go of time. Stop thinking so hard about wasted time or whether you feel like you're spinning your tires putting in so much effort not getting you know distance over time is like the way we measure our lives that's like the standard measurement you know how far have we got in the past year and then you're also comparing yourself to everyone else your peers you know how far have i gotten compared to them in the past year and it's just everything comes down to time and you stressing about that I think that uh, for me to overcome that is just trying to find the contentment where you can believe that time is not as important as you think it is. You know, the now is not the only important moments of your life. It's like time is a path coming from behind you, going through you forward. And just to be in the wave, to be content with that, to kind of believe that at the end, end of the waterfall, you know, there's going to be a celebration, you know, and uh, I think for us this August, you know, this is the the next checkpoint in the wave right now is we're working up towards the zoo motif. There will be a zoo. It'll be a wild party. 
we're switching things up, creating a little more movement, a little more kinetic energy rather than potential energy. We're trying, we're trying to save it up uh, at, at wake motif, some really mellow energies. And now I think a lot at the end of the summer here, I think people are going to want to let loose and hopefully, you know, everyone who was at wake will come back and, uh, and jump right back in the wave and just let go. We want to create an experience where people can let go, be themselves, feel appreciated, feel like part of the wave. And that's all of us. That's all we are. You know, Austin, I'm sure would agree with me. Plenty of other amazing collaborators. I want to give a shout out to Vanilla Sun who performed at Wake Motif. He's going to be hosting Zoo Motif. He's going to be headlining Zoo Motif. He has a crazy set. He's been preparing electronic. A lot of it's analog. A lot of it is created from scratch. All of it is his original compositions. It's amazing what he does. So I feel like we're all going to be trying to create a huge, huge splash with another exclusive event where people feel like they're part of it, you know, and they're just being washed in it and uh, be a cool feeling for all of us again, I think. Yeah, that's the next big stop, August 17th. That's a Saturday. We're going to try and uh, get things going as early as possible. We'll have some, some uh, kegs, potential wine tasting, hot tub time machine, you name it. We're going to have some crazy stuff going on. And uh, most importantly, trying to get the skate community involved. Basically, we're gonna we're gonna expand a little bit here and uh, bring bring a really cool group together. Just to kind of wrap it all. I mean, that's a great wrap up in general. But uh, thinking about our whole conversation, your personal, the spiritual, the uh, the business angle, mm. um, and tying it back into Fly Productions, the newly anointed Fly Productions mm -hmm. uh, FLI. The motif sort of, I suppose, it hopefully will become a brand, mm -hmm. at least within this line of uh, events that you're trying to build. For sure. Um, you know, is there an overarching or sort of a summary approach or a philosophy that um, that you want to kind of spread the word about? Is there a driving force behind the motif? Uh, what is the motif, perhaps? <laughs> um, so that anybody listening, hopefully we're connecting with you know, if you were there at Wake, if you're planning to be at Zoo, mm -hmm. if you're interested or, uh, you know, a, a past fan of uh, Perspectives or Fake James or Austin, whoever you are that's listening, mm -hmm. you know, what are we expecting now? Uh, hopefully this is not just going to be a twofer, right? That, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that whatever happens in August, that there's something underneath that's growing. I mean, is there, um, is there a way to sum up your feeling about what, what this is really about? Yeah, I mean, without overthinking it or uh, getting too deep, I think uh, the best way to say it is um, we want our artists to be able to express themselves. We want our audience to be able to express their appreciation. We're always so reserved. I even, you know, oh, it's, it's sometimes it's painful to watch the reaction of world-famous musicians coming through and the audience is like, that's not impressive enough type smug reaction and Case in point, 21 Pilots headlined X-Fest a few summers ago. And that's, you know, some of the best performers of our day and age right there. It's insane what they did. They put the drummer out on a platform being crowd surfed. The singer showed up on the audio booth on some now you see me, now you don't shit. And um, it was still not quite enough, you know. It's it's like painful. It's so cringy to watch the reaction. and. 
And I think that I'm just, I'd love to urge people to express their appreciation when they, when they're impressed, when they're blown away, let it show, you know, like get loud, get vocal, tell that artist how amazing they were, how they, you know, gave you an experience you've never experienced, an emotion that you haven't felt, you know, it's so important to create that environment where the artist can be vulnerable. And I, I think uh, someone who taught me that was my homie Luke DiDanielli, who was the, him and I had our own projects uh, going on in the past few years, Escape Art and Subluna Productions. We've put some crazy events on and uh, our manifesto was create an environment where the artist can be vulnerable because that's their best performance, their absolute top performance level is when they can be vulnerable and express themselves. And the best way to create that environment is to know that you are appreciated by the audience. And when you can feel that, you know, your every move feels like it has gravity. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're going to attend, you know, come with prepared to, to uh, holler, to lose your voice, to give that love. Because you know that, like you said earlier, that aura is going to be around it. You know, we're curating the right, the right group where you're going to feel the love, you know, so come to expect that and uh, come ready to, to let it out. You know, I was just thinking, you know, for all my struggles with the perspectives and learning about the art scene here in Calgary, I mean, the creators are incredible. Yeah. But I like the way you put that. I think maybe this is why we're vibing right now. Some mm -hmm. of these projects, I think our base thought is that we have to encourage people to exchange energies mm. and to not just keep something for themselves and it's gonna be i'm excited man i think it's gonna be it's gonna be dope yeah man i'm glad you mentioned that because um i watched uh this show the oa and it's funny because i i heard about it through a guy who was getting his hair cut next to me in a barber shop he was describing it to the barber and i could tell the barber was like yeah, definitely not gonna watch that but he was going oh yeah the the oa so spell it spell it out for me you know and uh, so i was listening and it sounded great so i went home and i started binging it and it's incredible man it uh changed the way i look at my life um it was written so well so well by this lady named Britt marling who also stars in it the main th thing that stuck with me from that show was a quote i don't know who she was quoting but the quote was all energy is borrowed you have to give it back one day. And so I feel like that's um, that exchange. I'm really glad you mentioned that because uh, we do need to be vibrating off of each other, sending energy this way, that way, receiving it just constantly. We have to be moving around, you know? We can't be like ice, you know, where the particles aren't moving. We'd be better off being a gaseous, entity that's just like the particles are firing around non-stop it's never in the same place yeah i think that's sort of a great way to to conclude how we feel about this event and uh other events from fly productions moving forward is we're moving we're shaking it up we're shakers we're movers and uh we uh we want to appeal to all the other shakers and movers awesome man um thanks for coming in thanks for putting on my little lavalier yeah, I hope uh, I didn't scratch my chin too loud there. No, that I hope it actually works. We'll see in post <laughs> if any of it's salvageable. Uh, final word uh, for you, Vanilla Sun, or anybody: send me some tracks, man, to use yeah. on this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be going over some tracks with Vanilla Sun, um, and uh, creating some really cool uh, 
promotion material for, for Zoo Motif. And uh, obviously, keep your ears to the ground for, uh, for the podcast that Perspectives YYC is working on. And uh, basically, give them the love and support because I think that they're also carving out something that hasn't been done. And I, I think uh, we should uh, continue to work together. You know? It's going to be great. Perspectives YYC is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. The APN is the brainchild of Karen Unland, whose only purpose in life, it seems, is to support and grow local podcasts. Podcasts like Modern Manhood, a series created by Germaine Villagas, focused on the divergent, often negative concept of modern masculinity. He has spent the last five years developing this conversation and pulling apart social and cultural influences that seem to drive so many men to despair and shameless self-promotion. I'm on it. I'll breathe briefly on his latest episode to discuss just this, the effect of media tropes on men. Check his work out at modernmanhood.org or through the APN website, albertopodcastnetwork.com slash social hyphen issues. note from our main sponsor ATB. ATB takes pride in all Albertans. That means standing up for what is right in the workplace, in our communities, and alongside community partners including Firefly and Schools, Calgary Libraries Reading with Royalty Program, Edmonton and Calgary Pride, and the Calgary Sexual Health Center. At ATB we believe pride is a stance, a stance for love, diversity, and self-worth. A stance for acceptance in our workplace, in the communities we serve, and with our community partners. Learn more at atb.com slash pride.